We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Bellato. We do have some more prospect profiles on the way. Next up will be Evan Neal and then Kayvon Thibodeau. But we did want to take a break in those today to talk about some recent goings with the Giants. There's a few big topics surrounding New York football Giants in the last 24 to 48 hours. And the NFL schedule is about to turn. It's about to get hot and heavy. I mean, it's already been hot and heavy for some of these teams. We just saw Russell Wilson traded. We're going to get to that, our thoughts on that. We just saw Carson Wentz traded into the NFC East. Get some thoughts on that. Aaron Rodgers as well, returning to the Packers. That one was a little bit, I don't want to say unexpected. I saw it coming, but it was a big topic. And now we have some stuff already brewing with the Giants as far as free agency goes, the franchise tags go. And so we're going to get to all of that today because it's about to get going. The new league year is almost here. Free agency is, at this point, only a week away, a little over a week away. Things are happening. The Giants haven't even made all the cuts they're going to make. There's more to come. So before we get into any of that, we'll go topic by topic. But Nick, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing well, man. Doing well. Enjoying Arizona's sun. Enjoying the nice weather. I can't say the same for myself. It Actually, after two days ago, it was like 75 and sunny here in New Jersey. And I talked to my best friend, Gary, and I'm like, all right, we're playing tennis this weekend because we've been waiting to hit. We've been waiting to play all year long. Now we look at the weather forecast, and it's terrible for Sunday. It's not raining or snowing, but it's cold. Today was snowing. There was snow out today in New Jersey, in really? New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, it snowed today. It's a disaster. And so not only that, the first time in my life I got food poisoning yesterday or a Monday night, it started to happen. It might have been food poisoning, but it might have been some kind of weird stomach bug because it also came with the fever and chills. I have no idea what it was, but yesterday was a freaking disaster. I could barely keep my head up. I didn't take off of work. I had to try to work through it. So it was not great. Today, I feel much better, though. So it must have been something like a bug. I don't know, or just typical plain old food poisoning for the first time in my life. But I did find out something, Nick. Apparently, a lot of restaurants where you order your salads from on takeout, because this is my culprit. I think the culprit was the Cobb salad that I had. They don't actually wash their lettuce before serving it to you. And that could lead to some really bad problems. So I don't know if there's any solution for this because it's not like I'm going to order a salad, take it out and start washing the lettuce one by one. I think at that point it's impossible, but maybe it's a situation where it's like, I, I don't know. I might be scared to order a salad. I, I I'm pretty scared. I know the, I think I know the place that gave it to me and I don't foresee myself going back there anytime soon. What are you trying to like make me just stop eating here, Dan? You're slandering salads. I can't take salads out now. Oh, that would just be a horrendous. <laughs> you make them at home. You just got you. This is no problem for you. You already make your salads at home anyway. I'm sure you wash your lettuce. Oh, I wash the crap out of everything I get. <laughs> that is no surprise to me whatsoever. All right, let's break this down one by one. Let's first start talking about the outside of Giants news. I want to start with. The one we probably won't spend too much time on. That's Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Packers. Were you surprised at all by that decision? 
No, I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the deal I don't think has been released, right? Because whatever was leaked, Aaron Rodgers is claiming that that wasn't the actual money amount. But in terms of him going back, if he wasn't going to Denver, I didn't really see him probably going anywhere else. It, it makes sense. I don't think they have the kind of confidence in Jordan Love that they expected to have. And I literally remember LaFleur's face when he drafted Jordan Love and the huge smile on his face when they traded up to do it. And I was thinking, I was like, I was like, what the heck are they like doing? Like, why are they, why are they so happy about that? They already trying to move on from Rogers after a subpar year. And then the dude lights the world on fire the last two seasons. And now he's right back in green Bay. And after they signed Aaron Rodgers, they went out and then franchise tagged Devontae Adams. So the band is back together. Yeah. This was Rogers best chance to win for And that's all that he should be focused on, but it is a little ironic to me that he has been claiming to be only focused on winning. Uh, Packers haven't done enough for him. Those are his problems with green Bay. And yet he's, <laughs> potentially taking this like record breaking per year annual deal. That's not, that's, it doesn't really jive together. Like the, the Brady route was give your, give your team a team friendly contract to help them build around with the salary cap. It doesn't seem to be Rogers MO here. It is what it is. How about the other big news? And that was the Russell Wilson trade. Now this one's interesting to me as it has some of a tie, somewhat of a tie to the giants as Wilson was in some ways rumored to be a potential trade target for the giants. I always kind of knew that he was going to get traded this offseason. The writing was on the wall. A lot of people were like, why would the Seahawks trade him? They brought back Pete Carroll and things of that nature. But you could tell just the way it ended, not only last season, but the year before that, that this was kind of it for him in Seattle. He wanted to change the scenery. He did not like at all, one, how they built around him. And they, for years, failed to build around him, mainly on the offensive line. And overall, I mean, they've made some horrific draft picks, just Horrible picks, Rashad Benny, Jordan Brooks. The list goes on and on. Um, the kid from the the tackle from A and M. That one was terrible. Freddie or whoever it was. Yeah, Jermaine, I have Freddie. They did such a bad job there. I knew it was over. I'll say this: a lot of Giants fans had no interest in Russell Wilson, and some of those same fans are kind of knocking the Broncos for giving up all this. But I don't really know too many other routes for winning other than finding a really good quarterback. And I don't. It's hard to find a really good quarterback. The Broncos have failed for a while, and they have had a really good roster to build around a quarterback for a long time. They won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning on his last legs and didn't get to keep that entire roster together, but have built a pretty good roster in the ensuing years. And so I think the Broncos did a good thing here. What are your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, I have no knock for really either side of this trade. And I've seen you know respectable people, people I respect in the industry, kind of take both sides of it. Some agree with what we're kind of saying here. Others are bashing Seattle. Others are bashing Denver. If Russell Wilson, if he's a little bit of a malcontent there, but he's not the kind of personality who's going to to outwardly show it, you're going to more than likely move on from him if you're Pete Carroll and if you're trying to kind of turn the page and allow him to waive his trade clause and go to a place where he wants to. I don't know if you're getting a better package than what Seattle received from the Denver Broncos. I mean, they ended up getting Drew Locke, whatever. Noah Fan, he's an interesting player, but a little bit underwhelming since he came into the league tight end. Shelby Harris for the defensive line, and then two ones, two twos, and a fifth round pick. And all you had to part ways with was a fourth, and then obviously the the big part of the deal, which is Russell Wilson. And in terms of the Denver Broncos, man, the last two teams that won Super Bowls went out and got their quarterback. Now, Brady, that was free agency. They didn't have to trade. And then last year, we saw what happened with Matt Stafford, Jared Goff. Matt Stafford just brought the Super Bowl to Los Angeles for the Rams. I can't knock Denver, who has a more, I would say, a much more or much better chance to win right now than the Seattle Seahawks do. And now that they add Russell Wilson, yeah, he might be the third best quarterback in that division, which is kind of insane to think about. But it still gives you an opportunity to get a wild card, possibly win the division, and then make a run in a really, really tough AFC. I think Denver had to do this, and I'm not shocked that they mortgaged their future picks to to go and land a superstar-type quarterback like Russell Wilson. I'm not going to knock that. Yeah, and I think it's a rare win-win for both sides. You look at Seattle, and they needed a total. They needed this package like the one they got. Like you said, it's a great package. Multiple second-round picks, multiple first-round picks, and a potential buy low in Noah fan agreed. He hasn't been great so far, but he is a buy low. He's a former top 15 pick for a reason. You're in like a four, four, five at 260 mm-hmm. pounds and like has some blocking skills. So, and, and like you said, they weren't winning anything with Russell Wilson this year. It was kind of the point they're at, which is the same reason why I don't hate the giants for not going out and trying to make the same kind of trade for Russell Wilson, because the giants don't have a Broncos roster. They don't have that offensive line like the Broncos have. They don't have the same skill players like the Broncos have in my mind, at least it's close, but it's not quite there. And their defense may be somewhat comparable, 
in some ways, but I think the Broncos have a little bit more talent there as well, but mainly it's the offensive line. And so I think, and also more importantly, the cap position, like the giants were not in any kind of salary cap position to take on a Russell Wilson contract via trade. So, you know, it makes more sense for a team like the Seahawks and the giants to not have a quarterback like Russell Wilson at this stage of their rebuilds. And for the Broncos, it makes sense in my mind because everyone's going to talk about how much they gave up all these picks. But, like, in the end, it doesn't matter. You're not going anywhere without a quarterback. You're going literally nowhere. Like, Scott Barrett tweeted out just yesterday. He said, you know, quarterback is reaching Quidditch levels. And this is, a, I don't, not even a huge Harry Potter fan, but I've read the first three books, so I remember that enough to know. He's like, he's it's reading Quidditch levels of importance in the NFL. In other words, he's just saying, for those of you who didn't read the books or watch the movies, it's Man. everything. Like, it's there's just, it's so much more valuable than any other position and they're impossible to find. So you can keep trying to get away with the mediocre types for a long time. The Broncos have tried a lot of different routes. Drew Locke tried a second-round pick. Teddy Bridgewater, they tried Brock Osweiler before that. They tried, I forgot who, the year before. Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch. They've tried all these guys, and they could have tried to take another mediocre quarterback on. But you're just going nowhere. You're setting yourself up for, at best, like a 10-7, and, a, a and 11-6 type. Maybe you win a wild-card game, but you're not really doing anything more than that. It's just... It's just not worth it. It's really not in my mind. So I think they took a chance. They're giving up a lot of their picks. They're giving up their future. They're going to have, but if it doesn't work, they'll have a bad season once he retires and they'll go back to getting the first overall pick and maybe they'll get the quarterback. So that's the whole other thing with it. So maybe you luck into a year where you get Joe Burrow or you get Peyton Manning or you get Andrew Luck. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go out and get your guy. That That's the end of the story for me. Yeah. And by the way, the, the Quidditch thing right over my head. Never seen Harry Potter. <laughs> never read one of the books. Never seen Star Wars. I, I, I take strays all the time for this for my friend group and called not American because I haven't indulged in those two specific franchises. Maybe one day, though. But you that did finally watch Game of Thrones after, pu- after pushing back on that as well. Yes, of course. And I did love it. I thought Game of Thrones was awesome. Ending was a little meh, but I didn't. I wasn't as low on it as you. That's for another podcast, though. I think another interesting part of this trade, too, Dan, is now the Seattle Seahawks are sitting there at nine. Because let's not forget, the Seahawks pulled off that epic trade where they traded a lot of their capital to go out and get Jamal Adams. They traded two first-round picks to go get Jamal Adams, and one of them was going to be in this draft. So now they enter the equation as a, as a potential trade partner for the New York Giants at nine, because if that front office values somebody like a Malik Willis or even a Kenny Pickett or whatever, and they want to jump in front of the, the Panthers, the Giants are sitting there at five. 
now they have the capital, the Seahawks, to possibly entertain the Giants and give the Giants maybe some of those second round picks that they have or a third round pick that they do have to trade, jump in front of the Carolina Panthers and then pick their guy of the future. I just think that's in the cards now. Do I think that's going to happen? Maybe no, but I think it can be entertained. And I think it just gives another interesting wrinkle for the New York Giants when it comes to trading back during the draft. Yeah, that is without a doubt the most interesting wrinkle to this deal, how it impacts the Giants. And it does, because look, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this is the same franchise who found Russell Wilson. And Malik Wilson and Russell Wilson aren't exact same prospects. They're not, in my mind, even that similar. But they have some similarities. They can throw on the run and maintain accuracy. They got good arm talent. And they can run with the football as well and escape. And so if they think they found their next Russell Wilson, they might just go up and get him. They might even viewed it before this trade. Like, look, if they really liked Willis, we'll never know this. But let's say they already really like Willis before they made this trade for Wilson. They might have looked at themselves and been like, look at this package we can get. And we could trade up for Willis and we'll still get picks. And we restart the rookie clock on the contract and we rebuild our team like that. And obviously he's not going to be come out and be Russell Wilson in year one or produce like Russell Wilson can right away for 2022. But they may feel like they can get him there in a shorter period of time with all those picks than they could get Wilson with his cap it and what's left of that Seahawks roster right now. Absolutely. I mean, right now they have the 40th and the 41st pick in the draft after that trade. One of those can be a part of a deal as well as future picks in next year. Wouldn't probably be a future one, but I mean, it could be because you are trading up into the top five. You're dropping four slots down. I don't know if the Giants would try to fleece them for this. It all depends on how the board falls. I think the Giants are trying to get these day two picks, trying to add more quality players to their roster right now. They're they're not in a quote-unquote rebuild, but I think they're pretty cognizant and aware of the current state of the New York Giants and how they may not be actually ready to compete, although they will never admit that to the media. So I think the more day two picks you get specifically in this draft, the better. So I think it's something that could be entertained by Joe Shane, depending on what happens in the top five. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I'm actually starting to hear some other stuff like the the Detroit Lions might be interested in Willis at number two overall. That would be music to my ears as well. My goal, Nick, is just somehow, some way, Willis goes in that top four, top five, whether that be the Giants trading out of five, which would be ideal for me. Again, like my number one scenario in this draft is to trade back again. I just, I, I'm, I'm addicted to trading back, Nick, and I want another pick and, and I want another first rounder in next year's draft in case the Giants need to go back to that quarterback well and they won't have ammo to try and do it. But if not, I'll take just Willis going at two overall and that bumping down one of Neil or Thibodeau or you know, Aquana or whoever it ends up being, but there's like four guys I really want right now. And the giants pick at number five. And I just don't want this. I just want some way, somehow one of those four to drop to five. Absolutely. Yes. And I think it was Trevor Sikama. And I think he works right now for pro football focus when he was at the combine, he was hearing a lot of that. And it does make sense. I mean, quarterbacks, yeah, they're overvalued at times and people don't view Malik Willis maybe as highly graded as some of those other prospects that will be select that could be selected at too. But at that same time, man, if he's your guy, you have to go get him. You know, he gets that quarterback bump. I'd be all for that too. That will make one of the players that we're really interested that we're going to break down on this podcast moving forward, fall to the New York giants at five. Then they could select five and then do whatever they want with that seventh pick. Yeah. And then that's the thing. It's like position scarcity is a factor. You like we talked about with the Russell Wilson stuff, you have to find a quarterback. And that sometimes means, taking him over a prospect. Like, obviously you can look at anything in any way. It's in a vacuum and say like, Oh, well this prospect is better than that prospect. Does he make the same kind of impact as a quarterback will make? No. And that's the key here. And like you said, we'll never nearly know how it plays out here, but it does feel like Willis is probably the only one who the giants will either have selected before them or the opportunity to trade the pick back for someone. I just don't get the feel that anyone's trading up or taking pick at that high or, or Matt Corral. Yeah, Willis is the, as we've said several times, the high ceiling prospect. I think he's the name to monitor. And I wouldn't be overly shocked if it if he goes at two. There's still so much to play out. I know the combine and the senior bowl already happened. You have the whole pro day circuit. There's going to be so many more reports flying around about people's character being bad, all these smoke screens that have people fall, which could be something that we're seeing with Kayvon Thibodeau right now. We're going to hear so many different things. It doesn't mean that they are true. And that's one of the, I guess, one of my allures to the to the draft season. It's just there's so much smoke. You're right. And it's, it's the most fun part about it. And sometimes you got to take it with a grain of salt, but other times you can join in on the fun and have a good time with it. But let's talk about another big news piece that happened today, actually. 
And that was good old Carson Wentz coming back to the NFC East. The the Washington, sorry, I almost called them Washington football team, and I'm probably going to do that a lot moving forward because I think their team name they chose is an epic disaster and failure. The Commanders, the Washington Commanders, what a joke of a name that is, but the Washington Commanders actually are the team to trade for Carson Wentz. Just just a, a sad, sad move in my mind. Um, so they tra- ended up trading. I'm trying to get the final details. They, they swapped second-round picks this year, which is bad because they had a better second-round pick than the Colts. They gave up next year's, uh, a pick next year that could turn into a second-round pick, which is also funny, by the way, Nick, because essentially the exact, exact same condition that the Colts used with the Eagles last year, where if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the snaps, that turns into a second-round pick next year. They also gave up a couple of third-round picks. This And they're taking on the full Carson Wentz contract. This is what the Washington football team did today when they acquired Carson Wentz. In my mind, Nick, and I'm curious to get your take on this, I don't find him to be that much more of an upgrade, if at all, to Taylor Heineke. Wentz may have a little bit of a better deep ball and quote-unquote the track record, which is his one MVP season. But that one MVP season was pretty much just a magic year for that Eagles offense from play calling to court to system to all the pieces working together on that offensive line and to the skill players at that time. Cause you saw it once Nick Foles came in, the engine kept moving and the engine actually moved all the way forward to a Super Bowl championship. So, and then Nick Foles has been terrible since. And so is Carson Wentz. And I watched him last year with a really good offensive line, a better offensive line than he's going to get with Washington. And he wasn't good. Carson Wentz, and he has less escapability than Taylor Heineke. Uh, he throws just as many interceptions and just as many turnover-worthy plays. Uh, I don't get this one at all. Maybe they just wanted this big-bodied guy who can throw the football far. He probably has more arm strength than Taylor Heineke, a better overall arm. But Carson Wentz, man, it's all it's in between the ears. Yeah, he only threw seven interceptions this past year, but a lot of those dude came in high-pressure situations. I feel like in the, in the in the situations where you need your quarterback to rise to the occasion, you know, a week 18 play in game against a team that's going to be selecting number one overall, he doesn't show up. And that's unfortunate for Carson Wentz. You know, I had high hopes for Carson Wentz coming out and then he ended up going to the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles and it was like, oh, geez, okay. And then he had that 2017 season before he tore his ACL where I'm like, dude, this sucks. The Giants are going to be dealing with this guy. And now he's kind of a joke in the NFL. Sucks for him, but that's just kind of, you know, how it happens. The NFL comes at you really quick. I would say, I don't understand this from Washington's perspective, primarily because you are eating so much of this just gigantic contract that nobody wants. Washington Commanders got fleeced by Chris Ballard, who was fleeced by Howie Rose yeah. in the previous yeah. year. So yeah. it's like almost it's like a hot potato of mediocrity. Yes, it is like a hot potato of mediocrity with Carson Wentz, including that stupid condition that they continue to put in. Like if he plays a certain amount of snaps and, you know, it's like they just to me, it feels like Washington was like hell bent this offseason. We're going in. We're going to try to upgrade quarterback. And I'm all for that. I love teams being aggressive at upgrading quarterback. But when you do it, you shouldn't be looking. Do it through free agency. If you're going to try to take a chance on it, do it through free agency. There was still Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Drabisky. Like those guys to me aren't that far behind Carson Wentz. You could have kept those those two third round picks and your position in the second round this year, which was a good position to be in. And so I just don't understand. It's like Carson Wentz to me is not that much better as a prospect moving forward than Trubisky, Mariota, Winston. I just don't see it. He's been he he had everything he needed last year. He had the offensive line and the run game and the defense with Indianapolis. And he, like you said, in high pressure, high leverage situations, he he made bad plays. And so the bottom line for us, Nick, and for Giants fans, I think is we're not scared. Like this is fine. I don't mind him coming to division. I was worried going into the offseason. Like, can Washington figure out a way to upgrade quarterback? Can they do something to make this annoying for the Giants? But that's just not the case. Who wants to go play for Washington, too? Like, there were rumors that they pursued Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson had a no-trade clause. He wasn't going to go and play for Washington. I mean, that franchise, we all have heard all the stuff from behind the scenes. It's it's a mess, dude. The way they've been run over the last, you know, 20 years has been disgusting. So if I'm a quarterback with any options, I'm not going to play for them. Carson Wentz has no options. And it seemed like Frank Reich liked Carson Wentz. I think they have a really good personal relationship. I think they probably work well together on the field. But I don't think Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay liked Carson Wentz that much. And they wanted him out. And they obviously outrank Reich in that situation. And Reich stuck his neck out for him. And Carson Wentz, he had to win one of the final two games, Dan, to get into the last seed of the playoffs for the AFC. And he lost them both one against the Raiders, which put them in and then against Jacksonville, which was a disaster. Yeah. 
No doubt. All right, let's get to some Giants news now because the three three interesting things I think that are developing with the Giants that we can talk about. The first one we'll start with is the rumor from I think a pretty good source in the Giants, and I'll tell you why. Charles Robinson, Yahoo uh-huh. Sports. Now Charles Robinson is somebody who previously nailed it when he said Daniel Jones was number one on the Giants big board before the 2019 draft. And this was like weeks before anyone was connecting Jones to the Giants. Then obviously the buzz started to happen. It started to unravel. Gettleman's not good at keeping, (laughs) keeping a secret. So obviously that got out and everyone's like, Oh wait, the Giants are interested in Daniel Jones. Uh, They'll probably take him at 17. They're going to try to take him at 17. Nope. Six overall. They got to go get their guy. But he said he had him number one overall. That's above Kyler Murray, which I believe fully, based on how that previous regime evaluated quarterbacks, I can only pray to God the next regime isn't going to evaluate a prospect like Daniel Jones and put him higher than a prospect like Kyler Murray. It's just a disaster of a situation that can only lead to bad franchise. Like your, your roster is never going to get good. If that's, if you have a, someone in your, if your group is evaluating Daniel Jones as a prospect over Kyler Murray, you're, you're destined to fail. But, he also said that the Giants had Justin Herbert, number one, and Daniel Jones, and Justin Herbert was the only quarterback ranked ahead of Jones in those two classes. Uh, that does include Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, but <laughs> that was before, I believe, that was before the 2020 season. So that was kind of before yeah. Joe Burrow's breakout 2020 season. So 2019, just, yeah. 2019. So keep in mind, it was like when Burrow was still that year one Burrow at LSU. Regardless, though, it's just insanely high praise for Daniel Jones pretty much unwarranted at least through his first three years i guess he could change in year four to a massive extent to to become a better player than burrow or whatnot but it seems unlikely or and murray but the point being he nailed their quarterback situation so he has some in there and what he said is quietly speaking the giants uh, he believes and a lot of people believe around the league that mitchell Trubisky is going to sign with the new york giants now the, the thought here would be well he played that year in Buffalo last year with Brian Dable. He obviously knows the system. He's going to come in, and it would be the thought would maybe be here that Dable believes in Trubisky can be, you know, a really good starter within his system, and maybe he'll take less money to come to the Giants, right? Because the Giants are in no salary cap position to get into some kind of bidding war for Mitch Trubisky. I don't know if his agent will comply with that. That's the whole other question here, Nick. But let's just start there with that main thought process that Trubisky will take a little bit less to come to the Giants. He wants to play with Dable. Dable believes Trubisky can be legit competition for Jones and even maybe beat him out. So from Trubisky's point of view, if I'm going to a team, I'm going to a team where I know the coach, I'm comfortable with the coach, I have a rapport with the coach, and there's a quarterback who's often injured and maybe not is maybe not on the, the best footing right now. So I think it makes a ton of sense for him to want to go to the Giants. In terms of the Giants, though, it has to be a massive discount because I just from a lot of the things I've heard from people I trust who were at the combine, it sounds like Mitchell Trubisky might be getting a solid contract from a quarterback desperate team. I don't think the Giants are in any position to be giving a, a large contract out to a backup quarterback. But if it is a significant discount, I I would say that I'm interested. I'm also interested in in Mariota. I, I think that you have to upgrade, as we've talked about plenty of times, you have to upgrade the quarterback position. But the Giants, like I said, man, allocating a lot of money, the money that he can probably get from a really, really desperate team, maybe a Carolina. There are a couple other teams that come to mind. I, I'm not going to be happy if they do that. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. And we'll see what happens there. But I'm, I'll say this with regards to Trubisky. I have mixed thoughts, Nick. Um, on one hand, I I feel like he could legitimately push Daniel Jones for a starting job this year if the Giants did sign him. And if the Giants were to get him for a discount because he, like you said, from his point of view, he'll take less money to have a chance to start in the NFL one, to have a chance to go to a system he already knows and a coach he really likes to play for, who he may believe is the one guy who could bring out the best in him. So on one hand, I do think that from what I've seen from both quarterbacks in their careers, Trubisky could legitimately beat out Jones within Dable's system. I don't think that's impossible. I think he has, over over his career, he's been less accurate with his ball placement. But we got to remember something, and the events that show, for whatever reason, Daniel Jones' ball placement has been tailing for the last two seasons. And last year, it was really bad. He was like third worst in the NFL from the 5 to 10-yard range in ball placement, according to Pro Football Focus. He was right there at the bottom with Darnold and one other quarterback. People seem to just forget how bad his ball placement was last season. 
it was really bad. And he doesn't have much else to go on besides ball placement. That's about all Jones offers at this point. And what, what I would consider a, like a B, a B to B plus deep ball. Um, obviously, it has pretty good ball placement on the deep ball. Not great, not great uh, velocity on it, but solid ball placement at times. But he's missed deep balls, too. I think Trubisky is worse on the deep ball from ball placement. Overall, Trubisky's ball placement is worse, but Trubisky does have more escapability. I think Trubisky has a little bit better pocket presence than Jones. Not much, but a little bit better from that standpoint. Can can run similar to Jones. I don't think there's that much different there, though Jones is probably a better straight line runner. Um, but so. yeah, Jones is probably a better straight line runner for sure, though not as good laterally. I think he could give him a chance, like give him a fight for it. But ultimately, I think it's a job that Jones would probably edge Trubisky for. So with that said, and the fact that Trubisky doesn't really offer that much long-term upside in my mind, I don't really see the point of signing Mitchell Trubisky if he's going to cost a lot of money. Now, if he's not going to cost a lot of money, then I'm all for it. I'm all for allocating cap space to QB2. We've already heard Joe Shane and Brian Dable say they believe QB2 is a very important position in the NFL. And Trubisky is still a young player. He's still a young prospect. And we may be wrong on him. Like me and you, from what we've seen so far, it may just be he needed to get into the right system and the right fit with the right coach to unlock his skill set. And I feel similarly, even though he's older, somebody like Marcus Mariota as well, if he can come cheap. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I don't see the full point to paying up for him unless they believe in him long term, which will be tough. But if he comes cheap, I don't know if I hate it. So last year, he signed a one-year $2.5 million contract. I'd sign up for that any day of the week. That's an easy, you know, bank it in. PFF right now has him projected to make around $14 million per year. Yeah, no no go on that. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> there's just no way. <laughs> and it's crazy, too, because what did he do last year to prove that he should even make that kind of jump in salary? It's really an indictment on the rookie quarterback. Yeah. Class. That's, that's what I think it is. To and be just honest. quarterback in general in the NFL right now. That too. And what is Trubisky? I'm pulling it up right now. I think he's like, what, 26, 27? Yeah, he's young. He's not, I, I, yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I just pulled it up. He's 27 years old. So he's still young. He has the athletic ability. He has been to the playoffs before under Matt Nagy and the Bears. And I think he comes right now from an organization that developed Josh Allen so well. So a lot of people might be thinking, hey, this kid, this kid is somebody who went to Buffalo and did all the right things. Cause I've heard, you know, Everybody in Buffalo just rave about Mitchell Trubisky, which is excellent. You know, if he leaves and signs a big contract, they can possibly get a compensatory pick for him. So, I mean, it, it benefits them both. But I've never really questioned Trubisky's ability to try hard, similar to Daniel Jones. It's just when he's on the field, he doesn't always perform as highly as you would hope, specifically because he was, what, a top two, top three pick. If it was one year, $2.5 sign me up every day of the week. I, I can't even entertain $10 million a year or anything like that for Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I was a little bit more excited about it till I started to dig a little deeper and just kind of think about what's the point, like what's the long-term point. And I'm all about these long-term ideas with the Giants. I know you are too, Nick. And it's just like, I don't know if I believe enough in Trubisky and Dable's ability to turn him into a player. Just I feel like just the turnover-worthy plays are still going to be a part of his DNA, no matter who is his coach. And I just don't love his arm. I like his arm talent. I just don't love his ball placement. And that that's part of arm talent for me. It's like, the ability to change directory, the, the ability to put touch on certain throws. And I just, I don't feel like that's there with Trubisky. So ultimately, I think there's some kind of, like, I think if somebody sat here right now and tried to make a case to me that Mitchell Trubisky gives the Giants a better chance to win in 2022 than Daniel Jones, I think you'd be, you'd have to be a homer to say, no, that's impossible. Because honestly, eh, it's possible. It's really, really possible. Trubisky's been, <laughs> most people would argue he'd been better than Jones in, in so far in his career by the numbers. Um, and by the film, even to some extent, not much, but slightly, I would say. But the goal here shouldn't be who's going to give the Giants a better chance to win in 2022 right now, because they've screwed up the pooch for 2022. Gettleman's done his number on his team. And the goal really should be finding a quarterback for the long term. And he's still young enough to develop and he does have the pedigree, but I just don't get the feeling that he can be that guy, Nick. Yeah, and I mean, he hasn't really provided much of a reason to give us that feeling either. At least we haven't seen it. So all the rave reports from out of Buffalo about how hard of a worker he is, that's all well and good. But, you know, the Giants are in a specific position right now where they're going to have to make some really tough decisions, as Joe Shane alluded to, in terms of players are going to keep, players are going to resign. And I don't know if taking on a quarterback with 14 mil a year who might not start, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, true. And even if it's kind of in that mid-range, I don't, I, I don't know. But again, we'll see what happens there. Some other Giants news would be the franchise tag stuff and the 
um, picking up, I'm sorry, not the franchise tag stuff, picking up the, the fifth year options for rookies here. So the first would be just the Evan Ingram news, which is not related to that, that I just missed on what I want to get your take on. It seems all in all likelihood, like Evan Ingram will be moving on from the giants. He removed the giants from his bio. He removed all, you know, from his Twitter stuff and his Instagram. So that was kind of my take. My take on that is essentially the giants have kind of had a conversation like, look, we're going to let you uh, move on in free agency. And there's already been talk of teams prioritizing him as a receiver, potentially in free agency or kind of like that big slot type. And he's already garnering a lot of interest in free agency. What are your thoughts on that? I think he will get a lot of interest in free agency because he's still going to be labeled as a mismatch nightmare because he is an excellent athlete who typically plays tight end, tries really hard as a blocker. I respect Evan Ingram. I like Evan Ingram, but I acknowledge that it was done here in New York. So I, I wish him luck wherever he goes, but the Giants couldn't retain him right now. They're not in any position to do that. It's weird with Ingram because I feel like there is a good chance that he'll sign in the right situation, look good from a stat standpoint, and then we'll all be like, what the hell? We missed. What did we do? How do we not get this? But I don't know if it'll be like a real football standpoint. I don't know if his impact will be as well as the stats may look with if he signs in the right. And this is all an if. He, like, he has to sign in the right situation for any of this to happen anyway. But he's still the same player who doesn't really cut well on a 90-degree angle. He's not really a good route runner. He's not a natural hands catcher. He can't really block. He doesn't really offer much other than second gear. He's got a great second gear. If you if you use him on 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 mesh type concepts and you get him running horizontally, he can beat he can beat your defense around the edge and take it to the house. We've seen that a lot. He can also potentially be used as a vertical threat, though the Giants didn't really do that. Pat Shermer was the only one who really did that. I remember during that first Barkley season in 2018, they were using Ingram a lot on verticals, and it was really nice to see. And he was actually making some big plays. He drew a couple pass interferences. They did a little bit the first year of Garrett, and then just nothing last year with the second year. It was just freaking odd, to be honest. But he potentially could help you as a seam stretcher as well. It seems like he should be able to. But this is not really, in my mind, that good of a football player. And doesn't really, I'm not really so sure that a change of scenery, even in the perfect fit, uh, you know, with Patrick Mahomes or whoever it might be, is going to totally unlock him. I think that's fair, too, to be honest. And I think he'll get his shot to be a tight end one on a team. I think there's there's enough talent there. But in terms of being a well-rounded football player, I think everything you just said makes a lot of sense. And so we'll see what happens there. But let's talk about some of the fifth-year rookie options because the Giants actually are hit with you know, what should have been three, but two <laughs> fifth-year rookie options. This was a big draft for them, 2019. Big draft for Gettleman. He had three first-round picks, and we're sitting here today. One ruled completely out. That's DeAndre Baker. No decision to be made there. But then they have to make a decision on their two other first-round picks from that year. You, It sucks because you wish you were in a position where there was no decision to be made. It's a no-brainer. The best teams have no-brainers here. They resign their their top picks, and that's how they build good franchises out. But we got two decisions to make. The first is Daniel Jones. That Jones hit would be around $22 million if they picked up guaranteed, if they take his option. So let's start there, and then we'll talk about Dexter Lawrence and what that would cost the Giants. So I think this one's a pretty easy no-brainer for me, Nick. Don't pick up that $22 million guaranteed option for Daniel Jones. Worst-case scenario, if Jones balls out, you can franchise tag him for around the same number. Your tag might cost a little more, but it's negligible considering you don't have to guarantee it right now. And you can wait and figure it out after the fact. So, yeah, to me, this is just an obvious no-brainer. Don't pick it up. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. It's an obvious. Don't pick it up. Have him play this year out. See what happens. Evaluate then. Yep. And we'll see what happens there. Now, the bigger one that actually requires more of a discussion is Dexter Lawrence. Um, and so we'll see if we have different opinions on this one, Nick. So Dexter Lawrence, his guaranteed, if they pick it up now, would be around $10 million, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe a little bit over $10 million. Where do you stand on picking up uh, Lawrence's fifth-year option? It's tough, man. It's tough. So I recently tweeted, and it got a lot of feedback, that I didn't understand the the hate surrounding Dexter Lawrence. And I, and I still don't. I think he's an undervalued asset. And I think he'll certainly earn a contract that's worth $10 million if it's not from the New York Giants. But you have to analyze all of this in the context of the team. And the Giants have a large contract already allocated towards Leonard Williams that will expire in 2023. I think it's definitely in the conversation to pick up this option, but I can't say with certainty as much as I respect and like Dexter Lawrence as a player, and I think he is unique, that they should pick it up because there's just a lot of work to do on this roster. So I think it's definitely in the conversation. I don't understand the, the hate that I see around Giants Twitter. 
about this player. I feel like people act as if he's this 25 snap player. This dude averaged 47 snaps a game last year and he had 43 pressures. I don't see him as a two down run stuffer. I think he's pretty unique for somebody of his size in terms of getting pressure, just needs to finish and get the sacks. But that option, man, I can't fully say with confidence that I want them to pick that up because, man, there's going to be a lot of moves on this team, a lot of tough decisions. And I think this is one of those tough decisions. Yeah, it's a tough decision. I'm not you, you might have expected me to come in here and say I definitely decline that option, but that's not going to be the case. The main reason I would decline it is if Leonard was signed for a longer term contract. The fact that they might be able to get off the get Leonard off the books in 2023. And now if they pick this up for 2023, he's still on the books and that would be allocating an insane amount of money uh, cap space to the deep, to the interior defensive line position. Cause they'd still have like the very last bit of that Leonard contract, which they already restructured last offseason to push back cap it. I think it's like some insane O number against the cap for 2023 plus the 10.8 for Dexter Lawrence or whatever it is, 10 and change. It would be a lot to allocate there, but at the same time, you have to keep in mind, by that point, they'd have Saquon Barkley off the books, most likely, and most likely Daniel Jones, at least in our minds. it's gonna. I would say it's going to be pretty tough for Jones to get re-signed at this stage, and you'd have to take a massive jump next year. And even then, it's it's in my mind, it's a massive risk of the Giants re-sign Daniel Jones for their long-term future um, based on one good year and his first four. But having said that, if they do move on from those guys and completely restart and retool, they can take one year of allocating a ton of space to the interior defensive line from the cap standpoint, assuming that after that in 2024, Leonard Williams comes off the books and the only only real money they're in, uh, allocating to that interior defensive line would be Dexter Lawrence. So from the cap standpoint, I can get on board with it. From the player standpoint, I have to think about it a little bit more because I agree with you. Dexter Lawrence is just always going to be one of those players who does more for the Giants than the box score is going to show and does more for the Giants in general, when you watch the tape, like you see him show up more, but from a long, from my, my opinion on, on kind of how you build out a roster, I just don't know if he's the type of player who deserves to have a massive amount of cap space allocated. And 10 million isn't really in a massive amount of cap space, but you assume if they pick up the fifth year option, it'll be with the idea of working toward a long-term deal with Lawrence that will one, not not only one lower his cap hit for that first season, but also to make him a part of the future, make him part of the giants future. And I agree, he seems like he should be unique, Nick, but I don't know how unique he actually is. I expected a player who was going to move a little bit better as a pass rusher, and I guess generate a... I know the pressures are there, quote-unquote, like the total raw pressure there, 44 is a lot, especially given the amount of snaps he had. But to me, it it doesn't really look... It doesn't really feel like he's getting those pressures, I guess, in key moments or winning one-on-one battles easily. Like you see some of the good guys, the Aaron Donalds, Jeffrey Simmons of the world... I'm just not so sure for my franchise, I would be a big believer in building out a roster with any of these interior defensive linemen getting big contracts, unless they are of that Jeffrey Simmons, Aaron Donald mold, where you're just consistently rushing the passer. I wouldn't want to sign him to like a 17 million a year. And I don't think he would command that if he kind of stays status quo and doesn't really have an ascending type of year. But I think 12 is for a long-term deal. I don't think that's completely unreasonable with the cap continuously growing. Cause I have people who are like alluding to the fact that, you know, players like Akeem Hicks make 12 million a year. It's like, yes, but Akeem Hicks signed that in 2017. The cap is going to be much bigger in 2023 when he's signing this extension. And I also think, man, like he does move uniquely in, in my opinion. I feel, I feel like that lower body bend and even the burst off the snap is is just something that you do not see in people who are 340 pounds, not named Jordan Davis, because he is just an absolute anomaly as well. And I get the fact that it's somewhat frustrating because he's not getting home with the sacks. And I would agree. I think he has to get home with the sacks. But this dude just turned 24 years old. I think if he walks out the door, he's going to really start hitting his stride in a couple seasons. And we're going to be like, damn, the Giants drafted him. We didn't really maximize his skill set here. When you also watch the tape, Patrick Graham ran so many stunts and twists. And usually Dexter Lawrence was the penetrator in that scheme when, when he was tasked to run that, which isn't the primary rusher, quote unquote, if, if you want to kind of say that, because he's opening up the alley for the Leonard Williams and for the Aziz Ojolari. I just think he does a lot of dirty work that, like you said earlier, doesn't pop on the stat sheet. And he's wildly undervalued by a lot of Giant fans. Doesn't mean the Giants should sign him or pick up that fifth year option, but he's much more than that two down run stuffer that I see labeled on him way too often on Twitter. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And, I, and I'm not trying to say he's not unique. He is unique. It's just a matter of 
how important is it to be that yeah. size and to move like that? It, it, to me, it, I'm just not so sure it's important. I, at this stage of my my like experience with building out football rosters, I just simply rather have the guys who are 300 but can penetrate and and win one on one more often as a pass rusher. And I agree, part of it was role. You're right. Like you could see anyone who watches the tape can know that he wasn't put in the best position to rush the passer that often. But you know, he's had multiple years now with the Giants. He had three three seasons with the Giants, and he's had other snaps and scenarios where he has been put in a position where he can win one-on-one against the guard or against the center. And I just don't see it often enough for a player you're going to pay that amount of money to. And so if it's just for one year as a placeholder, I guess I'm okay with it. Uh, and like you said, we're, it could be a scenario where like even, even more so than some of these other guys, like, I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson is a unique case, but like all these tackles they've let go through the years, Tomlinson, Linville, Joseph, all those guys, they seem to have better careers elsewhere or to continue on with their careers elsewhere. I think that could be the case for Lawrence. I just don't know if the Giants are in that position right now. But I will say this with Joe Shane, Brandon Bean, that whole brain trust, because we obviously now have Shane coming from the Bills brain, uh, Bean brain trust. They did just say they're going to pick up the option for Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle. And so they believe in those interior linemen investing in them. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do the same with Dexter Lawrence. The only thing that might hold them back is that huge Leonard Williams contract. That's right. Yes, absolutely. And that's, again, everything's contextual to the team, but also look at what Brendan Bean and Joe Shane did up in Buffalo. They like length. They like size. They like unique specimens. And that's what Dexter Lawrence is, man. This guy is 34 and three fourth inch arms. That is 90th percentile. His wingspan is 95th percentile at 84. He's 342 pounds, which is in the 98th percentile. And then his bench press, that's whatever, but he, he was 96 percentile for that. And dude, when, when you have a player like that and you align him and we saw Patrick Graham do this a lot as a four eye. So on the inside shoulder of the tackle, if that run and he, they would always do this to the strength on purpose, because this isn't, this is going to incentivize teams to run to the weak side because it's so difficult specifically on outside zone and stretch type of plays for that guard to reach Dexter Lawrence. It's very, very difficult for them to get them. Like your steps have to be so precise for that guard to locate Dexter Lawrence when he's aligned in a four eye with his power, his burst, and then that length, it's just a, a mismatch in terms of alignment when the opposite team wants to run play side. And it's something that we saw Patrick Graham do time and time again. And I think that is a huge asset. Now I will say this though, you can find a, a lot of good defensive linemen in the draft. I don't think they're going to be Dexter Lawrence. I don't think they'll be as unique as Dexter Lawrence, but I think you can get somebody on say round three. A lot of people are throwing Travis Jones's name around. Right. I think if you want Travis Jones, you're going to have to get him at 36. I don't think he's going to be around for the giants in the third round. Cause he's that unique as well. But it's just a decision to be made. My, my main point when I tweeted that wasn't even really about the fifth year option. It was about the hate that I felt like was unfair that he got, but it also, I guess you could say is about, it should be a conversation. It's definitely, at least for me, not a, Oh yeah, we can't do that, which I feel like a right. lot of people have that opinion. Yeah. that's totally fair, Nick. I I'm with you on that as well. And I think with, with regards to the interior position in general, yeah, you may not be able to get a Travis Jones, but I think you'll be surprised at how far he falls and players like him fall. You see it every year. Every time I go to the draft, all these guys are like the kid from Alabama uh, that the Patriots found last year. What was his name again? And they Christian got him. Barmore. Yeah, Christian Barmore at one point was talked up as like potential top 15 pick and then falls all the way to the middle of the second round. That one worked out. He had a really great rookie season with the Patriots. But the point is he fell into the 40s ultimately. And so I think that happens more than you think with the interior position. I think that now teams are starting to wisen up to the idea that this is the deepest position in the NFL. And so why invest a huge pick in it? Um, and so a huge asset in it. And so we'll see what happens there. Anything else uh, from a Giants standpoint, news-wise, you wanted to hit on? Yeah, so they signed a former Atlanta Falcon tackle. Oh, how could I forget? Gunno. Yes, <laughs> Gunno. Matt Gunno. So it's close to Graham Gunno, which, as Graham Gunno tweeted, it's cousin, is, won't be confusing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a different spelling, the Italian cousin. It's an Italian cousin. It's an Italian cousin, but uh, I um so I like this signing. It's it's very cheap. This is somebody I haven't watched his film extensively or anything like that quite yet. But I like the signing just because they're going out and getting versatile offensive linemen right now who can compete. At the end of the day, this guy might not even crack the roster, but you know what? You're going out and you're pursuing cheap options along the offensive line with upside because this is somebody that the Atlanta Falcons prioritized. They wanted to. They wanted to sign him and play him. They put a second round tender on him last year, and then he got injured this past season. So he was just spent the entire time, I think, like on the pup or the IR. 
and now he's a free agent. So there's talent there. The Falcons recognize the talent. It didn't work out. Now he's a young free agent at 25 years old who can play multiple positions. I don't know how good he is in terms of the film. Get back to me later on that, but I still like the move. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like nice low-cost signing. I think if he was that good, Falcons probably wouldn't let him go from there. Probably. you know, They'd probably give him the um, Nick Gates treatment and sign him to a a three-year deal in the cheap range, but you never know. I mean, sometimes it could just be the injuries. He fell out of favor for whatever reason, and so we'll see what happens there. They need bodies there. Like we said, at least they're starting early this year for the competition and the depth on the offensive line. Last year, they started way too late. They waited till the middle of training camp to sign all those veterans who then retired on them. Then they had to panic trade for Bredesen and panic trade for Price. At least this year, they're getting it going early. Yes, yes. And <laughs> that's all we asked for, man. Just start addressing it. And you, there's going to be more moves coming, possibly even before free agency, which starts really, really soon this week. So, uh, you know, buckle up, I guess you could say. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the Giants do. And I hope they're more aggressive than people expect them to be on the offensive line. So one position group, I'm like, F it. I don't care. Make your moves. Trade for your veterans. Sign your veterans. Don't matter to me. I'm willing to. I know we're supposed to be rebuilding right now. I get it. For all the people who are yelling at me about that, don't spend cap or rebuilding. Not on the offensive line. I just need competency there. I'm willing to take some some long-term. I'm going to give up a little bit of long-term leash to get a little bit more short-term game when it comes to the offensive line. They just need to put something more competent out there. And I think they will. I think they're in that same camp. I think they just realize, look, we got one starter there at max. We have to do something about it. So should be fun times for the Giants. We should have a lot of offensive linemen to talk about. That's all we have for today. Thank you for tuning into the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, we will be dropping a draft profile on Evan Neal, the offensive tackle at Alabama. And little bit of a spoiler here, but I love Evan Neal. I loved Charles Cross more than most of draft Twitter, it seems like, or more than Giants Twitter. And I thought, you know what? I'm happy with Cross. And now I'm like, screw it. I need Evan Neal. I want this dude on the Giants. And so we'll see what happens there. But we'll talk about why I love him so much. And we'll get Nick's thoughts on him tomorrow. So have a great rest of your week or day, I should say, because we'll talk to you tomorrow. And go Giants.